My dad is very gifted in a lot of ways, and one of the things that he's good at is photography. Even at age 89, <clears throat> we were recently recalling some of the techniques one would use in framing a good picture. He's done some photography. He's also done uh, some paintings and drawings. And he, he talked about where to place the subject and how important that is. And what kind of message are you sending by where you place the subject? And then in addition to that, he would say, you want to have a good balance of foreground and background. And you know, I... I can't help but think about what that foreground is looking like for us. Uh, even as I use my hands with these devices and the camera, my hands are big in the foreground. Um, and right now, those things that are right out in front of us are the foregrounds. Those first things we see, and we tend to fixate on those. Uh, things like the virus, uh, the possibility of the economic impact on our lives, uh, the rearranging of schedules and the postponing of events. And we look into that and we, we see all of that and we hear things about symptoms of the disease of COVID-19 and actual deaths and the social distancing, the quarantine. And it's easy to be myopic in our perspective to only see those things that are in front of us, the foreground. But I really believe the Lord Jesus wants us to see all of it together, to get the bigger picture for us in reality as followers of Jesus. That there's a recognition that there is a background to that larger picture. And so we find in this passage that he addresses both. And he doesn't minimize some of the concerns. He says, you know, let's talk about what you eat and what you wear and let's talk about tomorrow. But he says this. He says, avoid this. Avoid Anxiety. In fact, if you missed it once, he repeated it a couple of times in verse 25 of what Pastor Brenda read. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Verse 31, he says it again. Do not worry. And in that same scripture passage, we hear it again in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry. Now, it's kind of easy for us to say, don't panic. It's, it's almost colloquial to say, don't worry. But I think as followers of Jesus, there's a whole nother background for us when we hear those words. Because we hear those words in the context of what Jesus is saying. Do not worry about what you eat or what you wear. Consider the lilies of the field. They are cared for by your heavenly Father and the birds of the air, and they are tended to by the Creator. How much more will He care for you, 
as a child of God. He says that. Will he not care more for you than even those beautiful things in creation? And so that background, I want you to catch this, that background with the foreground, the background is we have a God who sees. We have a God who hears. We have a God who knows. We have a heavenly father that that cares and supplies and one of the things that he's saying in this text on the Sermon on the Mount in this section is avoid this one thing. If, if you want a sense of peace and hope, avoid this one thing. Be not anxious. Now, we know anxiety is a very complicated thing. And there are times when one may need a medicinal answer or solution or prescription for that. But what we're talking about is acutely right here. He's saying, well, Second Peter says it well. Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 7. Cast, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Do you see that background? The Father is in that background. And the Father watches over us. Christopher Hitchens, who is a late atheist who wrote many books, in one of his books, he says, there is no escape from anxiety. Well, I think his worldview was very limited because in the background, we have God. And he cut God out of that worldview. We find a question that surfaces in times like these, and these are unprecedented times. Even for me as a pastor uh, for over 30 years, um, it's like, poof, you're a televangelist. Uh, these are uncharted waters, as Andy prayed, and, and we ask the questions, where is God? And you know, it's an okay question, and God is big enough to handle that question. But what I have found is a lot of us raise that question in very difficult times. We tend to ignore God, ignore God in the good times and blame God in the difficult. When in reality, he is in both. He is present at a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And he is a, at a funeral for one that he loved very much. He was present at both. He's there in the good days and the bad days. He's the God of Good Friday and he's the God of Easter. He's the God of the spectacular. He's the God of the mundane. He's the God of the hills. He's the God of the valley. He's the God of laughter. And he's in the midst of our tears and our questions. And so when we ask, where is God? Well, I, I, think, I think about Wesley Woods. It's a retreat facility right outside of Winchester, Kentucky. And my youth group used to go there. And there was a a very simple sign that was posted on, on a cabin wall. And it said, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? I, I think 
it's easy in difficult circumstances to say, God, where are you? The bigger question for us is where are we? He is omnipresent. He is always available. He is steady and faithful and consistent. Always more ready to hear us than we are to seek after him. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, be careful that you avoid one thing, and that is a paralyzing anxiety because you have a father who cares and loves you. But pursue one thing. You see, that's, that's the nature of the Christian message, isn't it? It's saying no to one thing and yes to another. It's saying no to the vices and yes to the virtues. It's putting away certain things and putting on Christ. And so he's saying, avoid, say no to this, but say yes to this, seeking the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Brenda read for us in verse 31 and 32, so do not worry saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. The word pagan basically means those who do not have a relationship with God. Those who've turned away from God. But those of us who are in Christ, once again, the second part of that scripture says, you have a heavenly father that knows your needs. And so Jesus connects to our anxiety in verse 32 by saying, I am present. What I have found is our anxiety. I think there's so many redemptive things about this time, even in the face of difficulty. God doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Our anxieties often reveal our priorities. And when we get anxious about things, it means we've often put our hope in those things. This week, Andy McSpadden, our youth pastor, and I were talking, and we were reflecting, and Pastor Brenda was there, and, and we were doing our social distancing. You'll be proud of us. And, and as we were doing it, we talked about what are some of the messages. And there's so many messages, but one of the things that Andy said that I thought was helpful we have discovered that our lesser gods have failed us. Those things that we have held in high esteem, valued, protected, in many ways have let us down, have disappointed. What are some of those lesser gods that we have in the foreground pulled forward? Self-reliance. Our abilities and our ability to get things done. We put so much in the identity of what we do. This is a time where we can realign to our identity and who we are in Christ. And many of us the medical personnel excluded and some others, 
Our education doesn't even help us. Our government, while we have the greatest nation in the world, there have been some mistakes and oversight. The human element has come through. Not even the government can save us. The limitations of medical science. While we pray today for those that are looking for a vaccine and working hard to care for those who've been susceptible to this disease, there are still limitations. And so the question can be asked, then to who do we turn? And the answer is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what's interesting is as I talk to you, you've seen my hands. One of the things we're going to try to do in, in, uh, in the days ahead is to get it where I can move because this is work for me to stay in one place. <laughs> and, and, and you see my hands in the foreground. And we've talked a lot and information has come forth in the foreground. But I want you to see that there's a cross in the background. The cross of Calvary is present. It's with me and above me. And I take comfort in that. Tom Chisholm in the 1800s was dealing with debilitating health concerns and he was impaired in many ways and, and, and struggling in his own soul. And, and one could say that probably depression touched who he was emotionally. And he wrote poetry and, and in a, a moment of honesty and yet great faith, he brought the foreground and the background together because they're so connected. There's no separation. And in his facing the difficult, it was informed by his faith. I bet you'll recognize these words. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. We have an ever present God who cares and responds to our needs, and He is using us as emissaries and ambassadors to show compassion to others. May they sense that Jesus is very much here through our prayers and our loving concern and acts of compassion. So be encouraged. As a faithful follower of Jesus, You've got a foreground 
and you have a background. And that's the whole picture. Let's pray together.